Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with your host, Mary Belden McGrath, where community leaders share their successes, their obstacles, and their knowledge. Now here's your host, Mary Belden McGrath. I am so excited to have Pablo Montana with us as our guest. He is the director of tennis, just newly the director of tennis for the University of Delaware, as well as the head men and women's coach. And actually you have quite the pedigree. So I'm actually going to do just a quick little recap of your bio. Um, Since being named the head men's tennis coach in December of 2016, you have brought nothing but success to UD tennis. In your first season, 2016-17, the Hens posted the most wins nine since 2010-11 campaign. And then from there, they registered 17 wins in 18, 14 wins in 2019. Last season, you guys were on a fire. You had 14 wins in a row. Looking at the history of UD and the pandemic hit and you got shut down. And when you were able to play, you ended up with 14 and one record, which is a point um, 93 percentage winning percentage, which is the highest since 1974, 75, like, holy cow. However, prior to joining the University of Delaware, you spent previous 14 seasons as the women's tennis coach of California University of Pennsylvania, where you built one of the nation's elite division two programs. You are a two-time ITA National Coach of the Year, five-time ITA Regional Coach of the Year, and eight-time Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference Coach of the Year. You are the winningest coach in the program history with an outstanding record of 276 wins, 83 losses, and Cal U posted 12 straight appearances in the NCAs and advanced to the quarterfinals seven times in eight seasons under you. And it goes on. I'm like, you have such a pedigree. And, you know, you and I were just talking and Pablo, you were the most humble person I know. Like it's that you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to brag. And yet at the same time, I really believe that there is a difference between owning your strength and having humility than coming across with ego and that's not you. Like you are, you are this humble, hungry coach with this mindset to make life happen. And it's never about you is to really help bring others with you. And I just want to say, I am just so grateful to know you. Um, and I had the pleasure, and I was saying this right before we started, I had the pleasure of having you in bold in November, 2019. And holy cow, just the things that you have done, even since then, you know, I was saying, you know, proud is even the right word. I am inspired by you because you are one of those people who, when you want something, you just like, you hone in on it and there's nothing that deters you. And even if you fall down, you get back up and you're like, okay, but you follow this system and you are so dedicated to growth, to success which is why your teams create so much success. So thank you for being here. Gosh, of course. Of course. Thank you for having me, Mary. I'm, I don't even know where to start with that. Uh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to be strong here, but that's unbelievable. What a nice compliment. And uh, I mean, your energy and your enthusiasm is just a second to none. It's, uh, you know, you know, like obviously like a lot of my 
I think a lot of my success these past two years, you are a huge, huge part of that and your bold programming and is uh, awesome. I can't say enough good things about it. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to be on this and uh, yes, I, I am happy to help however I can. So, so thank you for having me. Well, when you sent me this message, and so um, I have a journal out there called Someday Is Now, and I've been working on Level Up for literally two and a half years. And it has gone through three proof readings and it's now 99% done. And you reached out and you said, I'm done with Someday Is Now, do you have Level Up? And you said, if not, I'll go ahead, no worries, you know, I'll go ahead and uh, redo another one. And then you said, I just spoke to 200 campers and I was talking about what it means to embrace the uncomfortable, truly being bold and chasing the line. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are my next speaker. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, uh, I can't get enough of your uh, journal books. They're, they're awesome. You know, they, they always get me in the right frame of mind in the morning. It's, uh, it's what really gets me, uh, you know, just excited when I get out of bed. You know, I have so many thoughts that I just want to jot down. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of my action steps that I do religiously that just helps me get in the right frame of mind as I attack the day. That's awesome. Well, so before we jump into your topic, just tell us a little bit about you. How did you get involved in tennis and how did you get involved with being a coach? So I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida, spent all my life there. Uh, I, I come from a tennis family. My my dad, uh, he taught me and my brother tennis. Um, he played tennis at the University of Florida. He owned and operated two tennis clubs. Uh, we had a tennis court in our backyard growing up. Uh, I have an older brother who also had an amazing career uh, at the professional level, uh, a lot higher than me. Uh, so I always had him as a hitting partner with my dad and and the clubs that that he had it was just it was always in my life it was in my blood uh even my mom you know even my mom would play tennis uh with us at early ages and uh you know obviously uh, growing up in florida you have awesome tennis weather um so yeah it was it was always in my blood and um and uh yeah you know that's that's where i started so how did you become a coach so I had, uh, I played my college tennis at the University of Tennessee, and uh, I had an amazing experience there uh, with my teammates, my coaches. I had two different head coaches, and they were awesome. I mean, they were awesome. Um, and I just, uh, I just knew that if I didn't have a successful career at, at the ATP level on the professional tour, I knew that I wanted to be at this highest level in college coaching. Uh, you know, so I'm thankful to my coaches for just giving me a great experience. I continue to talk to some of my coaches from that team. It's a, it's a small community in the uh, tennis world. So we're always, you know, we're always talking and we're always uh, picking each other's brains. But uh, I knew that if I couldn't, uh, if I couldn't, you know, be a top professional player, then I wanted to get into college coaching. So this is off. I told you this, I love to do this organically. So what makes you a great coach? What are the attributes that if we were to ask your team, what would they say about you? I mean, it's always a learning process for sure. I mean, I would like to think I'm a different coach now at 27 than I am at 46. Um, you know, I think the things that make a great coach and, you know, honestly, just a great, you know, just a great leader, you know, just a great professional, 
or you need to, you know, you need to be able to listen. I think you have to have a good listen, you know, and just good, you know, just like a good listening skills and just, you know, just like the uh, listening abilities. And I think I've gotten better with that. I always, I don't think I've always been great at that. Um, so like, I think you need to be a good listener. Um, I think you need to, you know, as you go through experiences as a coach, I think you need to understand what's working, what's not working. I think you need to be adaptable. I think you need to be flexible. Um, and I think you just need to, yeah, I mean, like you need to go with the times. I mean, obviously uh, COVID last year, you know, I think affected a lot of us, obviously, right? And, uh, you know, you just have to be willing to, to just go with the changes. Well, that correlates. I mean, we have business leaders that watch this as well as individuals. And you now we look at the athletic world, it correlates with business and life so much because it's sure. the same thing. You know, as a leader, we have to be great listeners. We have to have that adaptability, that flexibility. And you're right, you know, with, with COVID. So what was the mindset? You're going in, you are 14, you have 14 wins in a row. Best record ever. What happened with the team? Yeah, no, for sure. Obviously, uh, very emotional. You know, uh, gosh, you know, I, I don't really have a very good memory, but I can remember that day like, a, you know, you know, as if it happened yesterday. And it was, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of crying, you know, just like a lot of uh, vulnerability, which is something that, you know, that, that I adapted from Bold as well. Um, but, you know, that we understood, you know, this is life, you know, this is, you know, this is bigger than tennis, obviously. I mean, like a, you know, like a pandemic that is taking lives all over the world. This is bigger than tennis. So I think it was a good reality check for me, for my players, you know, for our university. Uh, and I think what made it easier is that we were sharing this with everybody, right? You know, so it's not just uh, our members from our community, but this affected everybody, you know, obviously across the country, across the world. So, so you know, like I feel like we could, you know, lean on one another. So how did that help you coming into this, this last season? I mean, I, I think just gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I mean, everybody was so grateful, including myself, you know, you know, myself, my players, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our colleagues, a lot of my friends, a lot of my players, uh, friends, you know, like a lot of these schools, they were in bad shape. You know, they had to cut their programs because of the finances from COVID. Uh, you know, a lot of these schools, they, you know, they had to let, I think a few of their coaches go because, you know, it, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, like in the cards right there, you know, they just couldn't afford to keep all these programs and whatnot. So, you know, we were just very grateful and just very thankful. And that's something that, uh, that we do a lot with our teams anyway, is just always having that attitude of gratitude. But I mean, that was one thing that, that was for sure apparent, you know, in, our season this year is just just grateful just to be out there and playing and competing. So have you always had that or taught that the attitude of gratitude? I think that's probably more recent, you know, maybe in the last couple of years. Again, I think uh, I think your bold uh, training has also, you know, inspired me, you know, to make that one of our core values. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important, you know, and the research, I know the research will show that people that are just more grateful you know, that just have that attitude of gratitude are just more happy, you know, and they're just happier people. And, and ironically, you know, we, you know, we tend to play better too, you know, if, uh, you know, if we're talking about our player development and our performance, we, we just play better when we're in a better state of mind, you know, and, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, 
that we do now, you know, like before every match, we, we always get into a gratitude circle and we just say something that we're thankful about. And again, it's, you know, like, like it's a powerful thing to see, you know, eight guys, 10 girls, you know, in a circle, you know, like just sharing what they're really, really appreciative for. That's amazing. Like that gives me goosebumps because you don't see that. Like we don't see that, that the people who are willing to be that vulnerable, you know, it's one thing to have the attitude of gratitude by yourself and to journal it. You know, and I've seen other coaches do that where they, the players keep journals yet to get in a huddle and say, hold on, before we play, what is, what are we grateful for? And not just before we play even practice, because you're absolutely right. You know, all those studies show that gratitude unlocks the brain to creativity, to health. You're, when you're grateful, you're not focused on problems. You're not focused on the, ne the negativity. You're focused on what is possible. And gratitude just unlocks something different. I agree. No, it's, it's been magical for us. And it's and, and it's a huge part of our culture now. It is a huge part of our culture, you know. You know, obviously, like it's one of our core value words that uh, that we do with everyone. But yeah, uh, gratitude has just been just been awesome for us. So, what does chase the lion mean? Yeah, no, I think uh, you know, like for me personally, it means just to you know go after it. You know, don't hold back. You know, no regrets, no reserve, no retreat you know, go after it. You only have one shot at this, right? You know, you know, like we're not getting any younger. Uh, you know, if we're not getting better every day, we're getting worse. Um, you know, so for me, Chase the Lion is, is to go after your dreams with no fear, you know, and just to give it everything you got, you know, go to bed at night exhausted, you know, knowing that you did everything you can to get a little bit closer, you know, to your goals and your dreams. Where did that come from? Where did that phrase come from? So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you told me about the book, uh, Run to the Roar. Uh, gosh, I'm forgetting the coach's name now from uh, Trinity College. But oh, Sante. He's awesome. What a great book that was, too. And just what, a, I mean, I mean, what an amazing mind he has. But I love the, uh, I just love the story behind running to the roar. Again, I believe it came from your class as well, Bold. But, you know, as I've done more research on it, it's just amazing how, how like lions in the wild, you know, like a male lion's roar can be heard up to five miles, which is crazy. Um, but, but the story behind it, obviously, like, as you know, Mary, is, you know, when they're hunting in the wild, um, it's the female lions, right, that, that are in the bush, you know, that are in the tall grass, and they get the older male lion, who's a little bit, I guess, you know, like who's a little bit weaker now, who's a little bit more frail and, and like a little more fragile, but they get that male lion, uh, you know, right in front of the uh, watering hole where the antelope go or the prey go to drink. And when that male lion sends out that roar, you know, it's obviously very frightening. And the antelope, they, they start running away from it, right? And they start scattering, you know, unbeknownst to them, knowing that they're, that they're falling right into that trap now, right? And, and that's where, the, you know, that's where they get hunted, where is if they can just run towards that roar, towards that fear, their chances of survival are a lot greater, obviously. Uh, you know, so that just really, really resonates with me. And just, you know, you know, we're often, I think a lot of humans, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you know, we we tend to back down from our fears. We tend to back down from our obstacles and our challenges. And that's one thing that I really learned from you, Mary, in our class, 
you know, from 2019 is, you know, there's no growth if there's no challenge, you know, there's no growth if there's no obstacle. Uh, so, I mean, I've, I found myself, you know, always trying to, you know, just trying to step out of my comfort zone a little bit each and every day, every time an opportunity comes that in the past, I would have said, no, I'm trying to say yes, a little bit more and just, you know, just seeing how I can grow and make myself a little better. So how do you teach that to your players? How do you teach that concept to your players? So I, I think there's a lot of things, you know, that we do. Uh, I mean, obviously, like when we play our better opponents, you know, we know they're better than us sometimes, but, you know, like we'll go into that match with the mindset that, hey, you know, the expectation is to win this. We are going to win this match. You know, we're going to believe we're going to win this match and we're going to walk tall and we're going to stick our chests out and we're going to, you know, have that mindset that this is ours, you know. In practices, you know, we love the uh, we love the Amy Cuddy experiences that you showed us as well in bold. Uh, you know, just getting our arms up, you know, like and just expanding ourselves and just getting large, and that's uncomfortable. You know, like for a lot of people, that's uncomfortable to do. You know, like it's just to walk around five, six, seven tennis courts for like five minutes at a time with our arms up. We'll have like a powerful a powerful affirmation that each one will share. I'm a champion. I am bold. I am beautiful. I am confident. I'm a winner. Uh, you know, I think those, I think those small things right there about embracing the comfortable, the more you do it, mm -hmm. the more you start, you know, becoming a little bit more brave, you know, and courageous and bold. Um, so, you know, those are small things that we do, you know, as we talked about like our gratitude circle, sometimes I think that can be a little uncomfortable for people at times just to get around a group and, you know, like, and just share something what they're thankful for. Um, but those are little strategies that, that we tend to do on occasion. Well, and they can't do it unless you're doing it, you know, it goes back. Into, sure. It's, it's the law of the lid. It's the leader, right? The leader caps the growth or helps grow their teams. And wherever you are, your team is right underneath, but they mirror what you're doing. So no as you grew and as you grew and as you grew, as you continue to grow and you teach that, cause you can't teach what you don't do. So mm. when, I, when I listen to you being that coach, your players follow you because of your ability to do that, to set that example. No, for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's okay to be a little foolish sometimes, you know, like I think uh, faithfulness is actually acting foolish at times. And if you want to call that foolish or whatnot, that's, that's fine. But you're right. It all starts from me and I believe it and I own it. And, you know, that's where I think the true buy-in comes, you know, and that's when it happens when they see me doing that, you know, and they see me crying or they see me getting my arms up or they see me saying something that I'm thankful for, or they see me doing something that's out of the norm, I think that inspires them to want to, you know, to, you know, just to get that all trust and that buy-in. For people who are listening to this now or listening to it later, and if they're not doing this and they want to create a culture of trust, a culture of gratitude, a culture of winning, <laughs> how, how would they start? So, yeah, I mean, like, I think it starts by just getting out of your comfort zone, you know, get out of your comfort zone, you know, a little bit each day, you know, you don't have to go 100% on that first day, you know, just do something small every day, that's going to challenge you, you know, uh, you know, like, for me, it's, you know, 
you know, but trying to go and meet someone new every day and going to introduce myself to someone new, you know, uh, you know, like it started with me at church, you know, and just when I worship, you know, like it started with me just, uh, you know, you know, just by trying to lift my arms up in praise, you know, and, you know, maybe just, you know, maybe just trying to sing out a little bit more loudly, you know, I think until you start to really do that, it's going to be more and more hard and more challenging. So you got to find those small things that are going to challenge your comfort zone so you can get out of your shell, you know, just at times each day. I love that. I mean, it's looking at the, the little things, but until we do it, you know, it's, it's the, most people, it's fear, right? So it's the lion. It is, and I always say the acronym is false evidence appearing real. So here's your fear. Here's the lion roaring. like, oh, what are people going to think? What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I'm going to look stupid. So what? What's exactly. the worst thing that can happen? All right. Exactly. So you look stupid, right? But the best thing is that you grow. Yeah. And you're able to do what you're doing now. No, you're right. I think that's unfortunate that that we're still in a society where where a lot of us are just scared to be judged, you know. And, and you know, I think that's human nature. I mean, like I, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say, oh gosh, you know, like I gotta be careful because like I'm gonna be judged here. I mean, like I still feel that at times, but but I'm more aware of it now, you know. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? So what? You know, they think I'm a little crazy, they think I'm a little stupid. That's okay. You know, I know who I am. I'm growing, you know, I know what I'm capable of doing. Um, you know, you're exactly right. That's, that's, that's how we continue to grow when we don't really care about what others are thinking. So what is your playbook for success? What are those principles that you live by and you teach? So for me, it's, it's a formula. It's a philosophy that I got from, uh, it's called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, great book. And one of their philosophies there in that book is consistent daily repeated actions plus time equals inconquerable results. And that's a philosophy that, that I just, man, you know, like it just really sticks with me um, because there's, it's all about small daily action steps, but it has to be daily. We can't afford to take a day off of, you know, of not doing those small little things that are going to get us better. You know, if we're getting 1% better every day, a year from now, I mean, that's, that's an, that's an amazing, you know, growth, you know, that's, that is uh, taking place. So it's about doing those daily action steps every single day. And they're easy to do, but they're easy not to do also, you know, so, so we have to find that time and we have to find that discipline that no matter what, you know, we're going to get this done. I love that quote that I saw on your webpage the other day, uh, Mary, it was from The Rock you know, where it said, you know, there's one thing to be hungry for success, but there's another to be starving for success, right? You know, I mean, and I mean, and if you look at The Rock, he's everywhere, right? He's on every, he's on every TV show, he's on every movie. I mean, the guy is just an absolute workhorse, you know, he's a monster. Um, and, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing, you know, it's, it's the small daily action steps that, that we have to do every day. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, like I often get upset when I hear people say, you know, that around me, you know, that are my friends and that are my players and, and that's in my group. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, you've got to find the time, you know, you got to make the time. You've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to fit in that time because it can be done and it's, it's absolutely necessary. I love what you just said though. It's the little things, it's the things that are easy to do, but it's also the things that are easy not to do. No question. No and question. It, and it really comes down to that choice. Um, I was reading something, I was talking about the gap 
So self-discipline is the gap between setting the goal and actually accomplishing the goal. So you have to have that vision, you have that goal, but the self-discipline comes in and it's that gap. It closes the gap to the accomplishment, which is what you're talking about, is that it's the little things. And I always talk about the 1%, right? It's what is 1% that you can do today that will make you better? What's 1% tomorrow? So do you teach the players? Do they know what their 1% is every day? Yeah, they do. I mean, look, you know, like in our sport in tennis and, and, and I'm sure this applies to a lot of other sports and a lot of other fields in life, it's all about the repetition, 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 but of course, doing it with the right mindset. You know, I mean, we have to have that, that attitude that we're going to get better and we're going to push ourselves. We're going to push ourselves. We're going to push ourselves, you know, out there, our competition, we have to assume is uh, doing this and they're getting better. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like in our sport, you know, it, there's no substitution for ball repetition. So, you know, every time we step out there, every time we come through the gates of the tennis courts, I call those the, uh, uh, it's, it's the uh, door of uh, concentration. When we walk through those gates, that door, we have our blinders on, right? And for those two hours that we're there at practice, obviously there's no cell phones, there's no nonsense. Let's just go out there and get better. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about just putting in the work and just doing it every day consistently. Do you track it? Do you have like a scoreboard for, so that they know how they're getting better? So we do individually at times we can do that with our individual types of things. So, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a little, uh, it's like a little process goal of spending 45 minutes per week, just on your serves alone outside of the team practice. We'll have another goal of hitting 200 volleys per week, which is nothing, you know, just on the wall on your own time, you know, just these small little things. So they have, they have daily, uh, they have these little checklists on their locker room that they're checking off um, that they, they can see. It? And they do it? They do it, they do it, yeah. I mean, you know, like I still have to get on them, you know, just to make sure that they are doing this. I mean, they're, you know, they're college kids still, but, uh, but you know, like I think those are things that they can see, you know. I, I always like to say that, uh, you, know, you know, that our actions are gonna speak louder than our words, right? And our results, are gonna happen as we're doing this, the things on a daily thing, you know? I don't think it's good to always focus on the outcome goals, but we gotta focus on the process goals and what's gonna to happen to get us to this point. I just, at listening to you, it really is, it's a culture that you've created because I hear different coaches that are like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could get my players to do this. I could wish I could get them to do this on their own time. And it creates a, you know, it sounds like a culture of accountability. Yes, there's still some nudging, but they're doing it. So they're buying they're in and, and to have the attitude of gratitude and to have them get big and to still do those things. But it goes back into those little tiny, consistent things that you can do every day. That's easy to do and easy not to do. And it's exactly right, yeah. And making the time, and I love what you said. There's um, somebody gave me an analogy once, and I can't remember where it came from. It was a 20-20-20 rule when it comes to exercising, because sometimes people are like, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to get to move my body. However, you can do 20 setups. You can do 20 push-ups. You can do 20 squats. Something that gets your body moving, which is whatever you put in motion stays in motion. Whatever's at rest stays at rest, right? And I just remember that. 
that 20-20-20, it's the easy thing. It's the 1%. And what we find is human nature is when you see those little tiny things like, oh, but I can do more because we get success. Exactly. No, it's, that's exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to have good leaders on my team as well. And it is a culture of gratitude, but it's also a culture of competitiveness as well. All right. And, you know, when you have good captains on your team and you have good leaders on your team as well, you know, they can also relay that message through their example. I mean, like, I think you're obviously your, your example is, is, is your best form of trying to get the point across, right? And, uh, you know, when, you know, if and when one person is uh, slacking off, you know, that's when our leaders can also just jump in and just, you know, just relay that message that it's not just hurting you, but it's hurting the team, you know, because every member on this team plays a very important role. Whether you're playing number one on my team or you're playing number 12 on my team, every member has a very specific, unique and powerful role that, that we have to just always be on that same page. And that's, uh, you know, that's always helped me a lot to just, you know, having great, great assistant coaches, great captains, and, and know, it makes my that, job a lot easier. Yeah. Owning the role. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, before I ask you this next question, just those of you watching, for some reason, it says Facebook live is going. If you have questions or comments, absolutely put them out, see if I can pull them up. If you're on the webinar live, um, if you have questions or comments, absolutely put them in there and we'll make sure that we ask Pablo as time allows. Um, so in regards to coaching experiences, what were some of your biggest opportunities to learn, which correlates to some of your challenges, some of your failures? What were your greatest lessons? So I was a pretty young head coach. I, I, uh, I got my first head coaching job at 27 years of age. Uh, uh, with California University of Pennsylvania. Uh, prior to that, I was the assistant men's tennis coach with Vanderbilt University. Uh, and I did that for two and a half years uh, over in Nashville. So I think, you know, some of my lessons as a head coach, I mean, yes, I mean, like I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes and, and I'm sure I continue to make mistakes. Um, that's the thing right now too, is that I'm not afraid to make mistakes. Uh, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's part of you know trying to get to that next level and to level up is you know be willing to make mistakes, um, but yeah you know I I I think you know as a as an early you know at an at an early head coaching time in my life when I was younger you know maybe I I used to motivate more through fear you know you know like I think I, I could get the most out of my players you know just by you know always putting a a, a consequence you know if if you know they weren't there on time or or if, if they weren't doing the right things at practice. Um, you know, it, it was all about, you know, win, 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 you know, this is what we have to do. And, you know, I, I still see a lot of coaches that do coach like that in, in like a lot of sports. It's not me, you know, it's not me. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's not, it's not, uh, it's not bad if, if, if that's what is uh, working for you. But for me, as I've gotten older, I think motivation through love is definitely a lot more powerful. I think it lasts longer. I think it's going to be more, yeah, it's just going to be more enduring. You know, my, I think my feeling is a motivation through fear. It's more temporary. Did you have any, when you did that, did you have any uh, feedback or players that left? 
because of it? Sure. Yeah. No. Uh, in my yeah, uh, probably my first few years as a head coach, I did have a few players transfer out. Um, I'd, I'd like to think it was more a more of a, a mutual decision, more you know me not wanting them, them also not wanting to be there. Um, and you know, you just never know at, at times, sometimes Mary, you know, as you're recruiting these players, it's, it's, you know, you can do all the vetting, you can do all the background searches. You never know what's going to happen until they actually get on campus. Right. And they start to experience a new culture, uh, and just a new environment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have not had any players that I transfer out yet at Delaware, uh, which I think is a good thing. Right. Um, but, but again, that's, that's not, I mean, that's not, I'm not coaching like that. You know, I'm not going to coach because I'm afraid that like a player is going to transfer here or there. I'm, I'm very convicted. I know what, what I believe. Uh, I'm not so stubborn to the fact where I can take feedback, uh, you know, like if something's not working. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm always going to coach to what I think is right in my heart. Isn't it interesting how when you coach from fear, and, and not just coach, like lead from fear, what happens? Because you can see the consequence, you can see the ripple effect. And then when you coach from gratitude or from your, from your beliefs or your values, what happens? And it's such, it, I think the clearer you get on who you are, your why, what's important, and you hire that way or you recruit that way, um, you get the right people long-term. No question. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, and, and that's what you want, right? I mean, I've, uh, I've made the mistake for sure of going after that stud who is going to be awesome on my team, but on the back of my mind, it's like, gosh, you know, is this person the right fit though? Is, is this person, is this person going to adapt to our culture? Is this person going to, you know, be a good teammate? You know, is this person going to be the best for the team rather than be the best on the team? Uh, so I've, I've made that mistake, you know, and, uh, but again, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's still, you know, like I still think it's impossible to know that you're going to get a player that's going to automatically just buy into the system and to adapt. I think once they get to campus and once they experience it, that's when I feel that I'm good at is, you know, just to try to get them to adapt into our culture and our environment, uh, you know, into what we believe in our core values. Um, so yeah, uh, I just recently read this book by Laura Garnett, The uh, Genius Habit. And, you know, one of the things I think I'm good at is just becoming a good to great strategist. You know, I can take something that's good and, and I like to think I can turn it into great. And obviously, the uh, tennis part of it is you know, like a big part of it, but it's off the tennis, I think, where I can have most of the impact that's going to help them play their best tennis. I love what you just said, the good to great. And it is taking the good, but how do I make it even better? And looking at your skill set and what I know about you is, and I was saying this earlier, is like you are so laser focused. You love systems. Like you love systems beyond the system and you will follow that system to a T. And when you're talking about feedback, one of the things, so I get, I got to know you later in life and seeing you in bold was you were one of the most hungry, open, uh, teach me just this, this person who was just like, I want to be better. Like, I don't know what I don't know and help me understand, but it didn't stop there. You know, a lot of times people will go through 
some type of a development course or read a book and it's like, oh, you know, that's good. I got a few things, but it's what do they do with it afterwards? And one of the things about you, Pablo, is that you applied it. Like you were still like reaching out and everyone's you still reach out. It's just like, um, do you have any ideas for books? Or I, you know, you're constantly pushing, but it's the system. So how do how would you um, encourage people to create a system, especially a system that works for you? If they don't have a system that's working, what are the core components of your system? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I would, you know, it just depends what motivates you, you know, you know, everyone's different, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are motivated by money, which I think, I think that's fine. Um, you know, everybody likes money, I think, you know, obviously to some extent. So, I mean, you know, after Bold, I, I just really have just been reading a lot. I mean, just consistently, that's part of my uh, daily action steps. You know, like, I love this quote, the more you learn, the more you earn. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, I think it's until you understand what your why is. What is your why? You know, what are you good at? What are you passionate at? Um, you know, what do you believe in? You know, what convicts you? Um, I think once you once you figure that out, then you start developing your systems. And it and like it wasn't until recent. You know, like it wasn't until your class that I figured out what my why is. You know, I've been doing this for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I you know maybe I was doing it for the money or for for the fame, for the recognition. Um, and Jen, you know, you know, I think those were the wrong reasons. You know, when I understood my why and, and you know, for the first time in my adult life, my why, I truly believe my why is really just to help others, you know, to inspire others, to spread positivity, uh, you know, just to be a, just a good example. I have such an amazing platform and all of us as coaches, and as leaders, we have amazing platforms to really, you know, just to really impact the lives of others in a positive way. And the funny thing is, Mary, is that, you know, as, as I focused on that, as I've really focused on my why and what I'm good at, other things that I used to crave have happened, you know? I mean, it's, you know, like, it's funny, you know? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's funny how that works. You know, when you don't focus so much on the fruit, but you focus on the root, yeah. then you bear the fruit right um so you know that's 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 the main thing for me it's just you know i i get it now I, you know i i have an understanding of what it is i'm called to do i just love the passion in you like it just comes <laughs> out of you and it is a belief and you can't fake that passion you can't fake that belief that fire um and it's I, I always, I still want to call you Serena. So for those of you who are listening, listen later, he was one of, his class was one of my two full male classes at Bold. And they really were this brotherhood. And his whole class, they had nicknames for each other. And Pablo, because he was a tennis player, and tennis coach, he became Serena. <laughs> That's funny. I know. That is funny. I think it's because that's the only tennis player they knew. <laughs> they knew Serena, but uh, yeah, no, it's a funny nickname and it's a, it's a good nickname. I, uh, you know, like I often uh, still talk to our guys and it's, uh, yeah, it's always Serena. That's so funny. That's funny. So I have a question for you. Um, what is your favorite book of all times? My favorite book of all time. So gosh, uh, I mean, I've read so many. I mean, it's, Honestly, since your class, I've been, and, and I'm not a good reader either. I'm, I'm a very slow reader, but I just recently read again for the second time is uh, Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson, which 
your recommendation and just an awesome, awesome book. I just really love how it just gets me thinking. It's a great uh, faith-based book as well. Uh, it's all about being bold. It's all about being courageous. And that's a book, honestly, that I think I need to read at least once a year. Um, you know, that book really had a huge impact on me. You know, the other book that, that, um, that I was talking about, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, awesome book. And it's all about habits. It's all about your daily action steps. Um, another book that I read recently too, and I'm drawing a blank on the author, but it's Infinite Possibilities. Um, and it's all about just like the law of attraction. And it's also, it's also, uh, I feel like it's faith-based, you know, and just what you believe, you know, if, if you, if you truly believe it, you're going to achieve it, but, but you have to act like it's already there. Um, and that's something that I've, I've done on changing some of my goals is I'm, you know, Right now, some of my goals and some of my dreams are as if they've already happened, you know? So, so as I'm trying to attract that into my life, you know, I try to put that down there as it's already happened. Um, so that was a pretty powerful book as well. So what book or what book are you reading or listening to right now? So right now I just started Win the Day also by Mark Batterson. Uh, I'm very early into it. I just like him as an author. Again, he's, uh, you know, he is, He's uh, very strong in his faith, but uh, uh, he's just, uh, you know, you know, like I love all the lessons that he teaches in all of his books. That's crazy. I'm actually doing the devotional win the day right now. Okay. He's yeah. awesome. It's so good. So good. He's great. Yeah. The, um, so in regards to where you are right now, if you were a kid again, what would you tell that young child that was moving along the journey of life? So knowing what you know now, and if you were a kid again, what advice could you give to your young self? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say just be patient, be patient, slow down. You know, sometimes to go fast, you got to slow down sometimes, right? You know, I'm a, as you can tell, like I talk very fast. I'm pretty anxious. I always, you know, I always eat fast. I always try to get to the next place. Slow down, you know, slow down, enjoy life, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the process. Um, an acronym that I often use with my players that they'll laugh about, but I always say TNT, which stands for today, not tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously it's good to, uh, it's good to plan for the future, right? You know, it's good to learn from the past, but stay in the present moment and just really enjoy it. You, you have so much to be thankful for and just, you know, really just take your time. I love that. Love it. TNT, today, not tomorrow. There's a quote that's going up sometime this week and it said, um, yesterday ended last night. Mm. <laughs> I, just, I love it because yeah, that's good. we have that's good. today. That's all we have. Yeah. We can't change the past. We can absolutely learn from it. Tomorrow hasn't happened, so it's someday is now. I love that. And that's why it's a present, right? Because it is a gift, right? It is a gift, and that's why it is the present. No, that's, that's awesome. So I have one more question for you. I had someone ask, said, I want some random questions in there. I, so to answer this, I feel like a kid again when I... Oh, okay. So I feel like a kid again when I... When I'm with my family, I mean, honestly, I just love being with my family, you know, and uh, I can let my walls down. I mean, you know, I've, I've, 
I feel like I always do that, but but like I feel like with my family, I can't let my walls down. Uh, in a few weeks, we're gonna go to a Universal Studios for vacation. I mean, I, I, I'm the biggest kid there, you know? I'm always the first one in line, you know, just getting ready for the rides. Um, yeah, like I think that, yeah, just, you know, just, yeah, you know, like I just love to hang out with them. Do, do, do the players see that side of you? I think so, yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think as we do our, you know, like our embracing the uncomfortableness, our uh, trust falls that, you know, even before bold, you know, like I was doing some trust falls as well with my teams. Um, I think they can see that, yeah, you know, and, you know, we often do some team building and, you know, just some team bonding experiences where we, where we open up with each other, you know, if you really knew me, you would know that this is about me, right? Um, so yeah, I think at times they do see that. You know, I, you're probably not going to see it on the first on the first team meeting or the second team meeting. But I think as we go throughout the season, you know, they'll start to I think they'll start doing quotes. You know, like on what I'm doing at times uh, as they embrace the uncomfortable, I'll let them make fun of me. You know, as as we got you know like also from the bowl class as well. So like they'll get in a circle and at times uh, you know like a few of them like will get in a circle and they'll do all my quotes, all my uh, mannerisms. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to say they, you know, they can see my walls come down. That's awesome. So what's your next level? What is the, the chase the lion for you that will help you level up? I, I yeah, I mean, you know, as I'm focusing on my roots, you know, I, I want to keep growing every day. I don't want to stay stagnant. You know, I can talk about my process goals and what I want to, uh, uh, um, I can talk about my outcome goals. And what I want to accomplish, but I mean, you know, I, I just think for me, chasing the line is that doing things like this. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't like to, I don't think I'm a very confident person. You know, this is not something that is definitely in my comfort zone. You know, like doing interviews like this or, or being on like a live stream. But as I told you the other uh, day, I was, uh, I was asked to do, uh, it's like a 30-minute session in front of uh, 200 staff members here at my camp. Uh, you know, like what this means. So, you know, like I think that's what I'm trying to get better at as well, you know, just to just get out there more, you know, get out of my comfort zone, you know, like go meet more people. If I can help one person every day become a better person, that's, that's awesome for me. Uh, you know, like I want to continue growing in my faith. You know, I want to be a good example to others. So this is your podium, so to speak. So last words, um, what message do you want to get out to people that maybe you haven't talked about yet that you believe would help help inspire them? Yeah, so I just uh, I just recently I just recently found this quote as I was talking uh, uh, to a few of my uh, colleagues and friends here. If you're willing to do more than you are paid to do, eventually you will be paid to do more than you do. You know, if you're in a situation right now or you're unhappy, or you feel like you should be getting paid more, or this and that, just, you know, I would say one, you got to make sure that this is the right situation for you, you know, where, where you have the platform to be who you are. And, you know, this is where you can have your zone of genius, and where you can have, uh, you know, that opportunity to really express your why. And if you are great, if, if you're not, then maybe you need to, you know, probably, you know, keep a look, you know, to just 
you know, maybe search for something that can help you get to that point. But in your current situation, do the best job that you can do, you know, and just, you know, don't complain, be humble, be hungry, be thankful. Uh, eventually, you know, your breakthrough is going to happen, you know, especially right when you're about to face those challenges. Be starving for success. I love that. Yeah. You know, Pablo, I just want to say thank you just for showing up. You know, it's crazy because you say, I don't see myself as a confident speaker, but you're passionate and that passion pulls people in and you're so real. And the message that you have, I really believe, I know it, it absolutely touched me. Um, if there are people who want to get in contact with Pablo, uh, let me know and I'll, I'll forward their information to you. And again, Absolutely. I just, I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being that role model, an amazing coach and mentor, because it is a ripple effect. Not only it is on the court with your team, but you're creating amazing men and women who are going to take it into their lives, into their communities, into their jobs and whatever they do. Um, just thank you. Thank you for chasing the lion. No, absolutely, Mary. Thank you for having me and thank you for just, you know, even just considering me, I'm truly honored. So thank you. I'm honored. Well, next week, we actually have Ryan Higabotham from TCU Women's Soccer, um, assistant coach. And so he's going to be on here. So we will see you next week. And again, Pablo, thank you. And bye for now. <laughs>